Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Russell Bradford, Managing Director of Aston Minerals, who are an ASX-listed junior miner who are, de- uh, who are in the development phase, uh, advancing their Ed Liston project in Ontario, Canada, with a resource of over 2 million tonne of nickel sulfide in the ground. Russell has an extraction metallurgy background, with extensive experience in operations, projects, and executive management, um, and has been in the industry for many years, advancing grassroots projects uh, through advanced exploration and the development of projects uh, during his career across Africa, Australia, Europe. Um, now he's that the man. Now he's the managing director of Aston Resources. He's going to tell us a little bit more about the company and what the company are looking to achieve. So that's. Welcome, Russell, to the podcast. How are you doing, Russell? Yeah, good, Rob. Thank you. That sounds great. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate your time as well. Um, so I just wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about, about your your career, about your background. As I said, that you've uh, got quite an extensive uh, career across many continents. So, um, yeah, I'll hand it over to you just to tell our audience a little bit about, about yourself. Okay, well, thanks. Uh, you know, I um, I was fortunate enough. I um, uh, got a bursary with Anglo American in the eighties in South Africa, and I emigrated to South Africa with my parents, and then uh, went through the Anglo system, which was fantastic. You know, got exposure to all the operating procedures and how you know the training and everything. Uh, qualified as a metallurgist. Uh, worked on a, a very large mine uh, in South Africa and then uh, moved up to Botswana and then worked for an Anglo mine in Botswana as well, which was a nickel copper mine, large mine, did over a million tonnes, had a flash furnace, three uh, operating uh, shafts and um, processed um, concentrate, nickel, nickel copper concentrate from other mines. And I was in my mid-20s then and, and, you know, worked there for 10 years to my mid-30s. And then I was transferred over to Australia. That's how I ended up in Australia. And then that was the whole line all thing. And, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you just work. You just work and work and work and work. But only later in life, you realize what you've learned, you know, at the time, you don't see it as learning. You know, I mean, there is a learning, but you work, hey, you work hard. And that mine, a lot of us who worked there, it was BCL. Um, uh, you know, it was a big mine, big facility. And uh, we I, I, we learned and we worked very hard then. And then I moved to Australia, um, been here two years. We had four mines here, three nickel mines and a gold mine. And then the real snickle bought the company for $7 billion. Um, then uh, got involved with uh, uranium projects in Tanzania, 
Um, and we developed that over three and a half years. We sold that for a billion dollars. I was the project director on that. So did a lot of the, you know, the feasibility, the flow sheet development and, and that kind of thing. And then got involved with a couple of other things and bits and bobs. And I've always been helping companies put feasibilities together on project work and, you know, and advice and that. And then got involved with uh, Sanko, which was the gold mine the guys built in Ghana. And then that was JV'd with Goldfields in 2019. Um, I've done, I mean, just before COVID, we got, got into a bit of private equity and, you know, did over 200 evaluations of companies. And then uh, this year I was at PDAC and I was presented this opportunity uh, by Evan Cranston and uh, with Tonga, who's one of the directors, Evan's one of the major shareholders. And what I did then, I actually took the opportunity to the group of guys who's on board now. That's Peter, Hugo, Rob, Malcolm, and the guys did DD on it, you know, there's a few highlights, I guess, the investment highlights, and we can talk about just now. But we said, look, let's give it a go. It's nothing we've not done before, and it's something that we could probably, with our experience and our learnings over the last 25 years as a group, we could, you know, apply to Aston and see where it goes. So, yeah, this is where, this is where we are today. I ne I always wanted to be a professional footballer, and I was, uh, it's not going to happen. And I always want to be a professional golfer. It's not going to happen. So I've got to stick to my knitting, right? And it's mining, that's it. I won't ask <laughs> what football team you support. Well, it's funny because um, pure coincidence, I'm an Aston Villa fan, and the company's called Aston Minerals. So... Um, uh, full disclosure, the colours were red and black, and when I came on board, I changed them to to claret blue, which is obviously Aston Villa colours. So, so I hope that's not put off any potential investors. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> um, so yeah, just wondering, you can just tell us about Aston Minerals. So Aston, uh, look, I mean. Um, it's funny how these these things get discovered and come about. So Dale, uh, Jen, who was the previous MD, who I took over, Dale and his team, uh, where Aston is, it's south of Timmins, north of Sudbury, and it's in that belt where, you know, there's some, some of the largest gold uh, mines in Canada are based. So Dale was drilling for gold and he found gold. I mean, we've got a 1.5 million ounce gold deposit on our tenement as well. He was drilling for the gold and found gold, and that's a separate story, and then stepped over the fault, and then we started to get sniffs of nickel. And then Dale just went south, and then, you know, this deposit's only been discovered the last two years, uh, the boomerang deposit. Um, so the guys raised over $20 million uh, beginning of last year, did a 28,000-meter drill program, and hence roll forward 14 months. This is why you've got the um, maiden resource of nickels. So we've got a one-and-a-half-million-ounce gold deposit, and we've got over a, a, a billion tonne uh, uh, for over, you know, just over 2.2 million tonnes of nickel in the ground. 
uh, on site as well. So we looked at all of that and, you know, we said, well, it's in Canada, it's a critical mineral. We know the Canadian government have this policy around the critical minerals um, and they've listed a nickel, obviously, is one of them. It's in a great place to operate, you know, Ontario, big mining state, and they've got some massive mines there. Um, a, a good management team, a very supportive board. Um, we've got a really good relationship with our First Nation groups. We've got two First Nation groups on our project area. So, you know, that was, that was a, a, a big plus as well. So we said, well, look, you know, we've got a bit of a blank piece of paper here. It's very early stage. So we went back to Tolga and, and Evan. We said, look, we'll come on board. You've got a, a great nickel team with all this experience and, you know, kind of success. And, we'll, you know, we'll come on board. We'll do it. It's early stage. But in some respects, that's great because we can do the right thing and mold it to where it needs to be. So, so yeah. Um, we've just raised $11 million uh, about three weeks ago, which was great, particularly, you know, the markets uh, started to get pretty tight now here in Australia. So that was from existing shareholders and some new shareholders. You know, we've done quite a bit of marketing before that. Uh, so the $11 million now is going to help us get through the next year quite a bit of drilling, quite a lot of development work, you know, flow sheet development work, uh, that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, we're in a good space at the moment. So, yeah, it, it's good. It's exciting. Um, obviously, you've got the, the boomerang uh, deposit, which is a, obviously a billion tonne nickel deposit. Um, why don't you just give us a, a quick overview of what you know about the resource uh, at this stage? Well, essentially, there's two areas. If you can imagine a boomerang, it's like the, the top bit. So let's talk about the top bit. That's the B2 zone. So the B2 zone, uh, there was drilling done on there. There's, you know, out of that billion tons, there's, you know, about 40% of 30% of the nickel is in that area. We announced just last week, we've been doing a lot of drilling. That's where we're drilling right now. And we've extended that boomerang. So that northern part of the boomerang, we've extended by over 450 meters. Um, so we've got some really, in fact, the highest grade zones that we found during that initial 28,000 meter drilling program is in that north part of the boomerang. So what we're doing up there, we're targeting two areas. We're doing short hole uh, drilling which is hopefully going to bring these high-grade zones up to the surface. And then we're doing long-hole, you know, five, six, seven hundred-meter-hole extensions, which is actually then going to see how far the resource goes down, how big's the pit going to be as such. So that work is ongoing at the moment now. We've drilled five holes there at the moment, uh, and we're on the sixth hole. So that's in the northern part. In the southern part, we've got an area. So on the elbow of the boomerang, we know there's some low-grade areas there. And that's fine. We're not going to go there. We don't want to waste time and money drilling where we know already there's some low-grade areas. Then we go to the southern part of the, the, the bottom bit of the boomerang. And that's the Barnwell zone. And there there's been a lot of drilling done. And we'll be going there probably in about four weeks' time. 
and we'll be doing a lot of infill drilling. We know there's some good high-grade juicy bits in that area. And, you know, at the moment, out of that billion ton, we've got about 160 million ton in measured and indicated. We want to get that up to, you know, 300 million ton because then we can start to look to put a study together around it. We're jawed compliant, you know, we're ASX listed. So there's a certain percentage of, of measured and indicated we need in our resource to kind of talk about some economics as such. So we'll own uh, and, you know, doing those short hole extensions and those long holes and then really infilling that section of the ore body. So you roll forward kind of to March next year, we'll have a good understanding of where we need to drop a pit, where the starter pit will be. At the moment now, we don't know that. We've got good drilling information. Um, we spent a bit of time looking at the ore body, and it's important that I get this, this across you know, we know that there's areas that won't give you good metallurgy. There's areas that will give you very good metallurgy. So obviously what we've had to do is create like a geomet model. In other words, like a signature, a mineral signature of what this whole body looks like. There'll be some bad areas. There'll be some, you know, okay areas. And there's some, and there's some you know, really good areas. So all part of this drilling is targeting and understanding exactly where the high sulfur-nickel ratios are, because that's where the best metallurgy will be. Best metallurgy, let's put the pit there and start the mine off in that area. So so there's been quite a bit of technical work and, and let's say, reconnaissance and, um, let's say, you know, review done by the group. And we've done that prior to us kind of executing, spending money. That's the, you know, we're, we're, we've announced our plan. Uh, and, you know, I think it's been, uh, you know, talking to shareholders, we've all said we're doing the right thing. Um, so I think, you know, we, we're, that, that nickel story now and that nickel work plan is, is, is off to the races. But just to talk about the gold, exactly what we've done with the nickel uh, which we've, you know, we just spent the last two months doing. We've got a session uh, in two weeks' time with the group to now put a strategy together on the goal. Where are we going to drill? What we're going to do? You know, this kind of thing. So do a review, look at the opportunity, and you know, see how we can grow that gold resource as well. So I mean, we've got one and a half million ounces at the moment you know, with some good thinking, and that could easily be three, four, five million ounces, you know, if we do things right. So so we've, we've got quite a lot on our plate, but it's exciting stuff. It's there, right? It's not as if we're looking for it. We found it. What we've got to do now is make this thing, uh, let's say, work. It's, it's, we've got to convert it now into a, into a workable story as such. Um, obviously, you recently started as the, the managing director, um, at the same time as uh, the new chairman, Peter Breeze. Um, and obviously the entire management team um, is obviously quite in, uh, a lot of talent because um, obviously you, you guys have worked successfully together before. 
Um, and it seems that you're, you're, you're bringing the band back together. I just wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about, obviously, your your management team and what you've sort of done in the past, what, what you have done in the past. Well, I mean, Peter's been a, 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 a you know, a successful mining uh, uh, leader in his own right. You know, he, he um, worked in Zimbabwe and then I met Peter when I was in Botswana and then we've kind of worked together from from then on. And um, he's always been there for leadership and guidance. Uh, you know, his management style has been one that, you know, he sets... He sets the, the the let's say the requirements from his executive, and then you know puts the tools in place that that things can be measured correctly and allows open communication and and um, I guess you know mature approach uh, and just a team approach to how we do things, you know. Um, and I mean, Rob's a mine engineer. Malcolm's a resource. Uh, uh, geologists, um, you know, we're all in our mid fifties. Hugo is, you know, is in his late fifties, early sixties, and Hugo's built quite a few mines in his life. And we've all operated these things, and we've all so you know, we've just got this experience. And and in some respects, the conversation. It's I'm not saying it's easy, but it is relatively easy because. It's like, well, what do you think, Rob, when you're talking about mining or, you know, converting or resource or, you know, Hugo, could you do that? And you're talking about infrastructure or so, you know, and you can tap into previous experiences and previous, let's say, uh, mishaps or previous learnings or, you know, things that you've done in your career. So, um so, yeah, look, I think we've got a really good settled team. And then, you know, we've also got Rob, uh, who's our Indigenous Affairs Manager in Canada. You know, great guy, great experience. He's doing a fantastic job for us. We've also got Carl, who's our geologist uh, in country. Uh, also, done, you know, great guy, knows how to operate and manage drilling programs. And, you know, nowadays you need a guy who can then bring all those results together and put them digitally into, you know, LeapFrog or, or you know, one of these packages. So, uh, you know, Carl can do exactly that. And then our service providers, they're, they're, you know, uh, Deruge and our drillers, uh, Core Explorer. And so at the moment, we feel very happy about where everything is. So, we, we you know, as a team... You know, we've got a call just now, you know, in a couple of hours, a technical review. We've brought on uh, Greg Lane, who's Chief Technical Officer for Asenko. Um, So we've got, I'm quite happy we've got mature, in the know, well-experienced uh, uh, individuals. And we're just, you know, scoping this thing out. How are we going to convert this thing into a mine? So, so yeah, you know, it, it look. I feel much more comfortable having people around you than individually and not working with people who you don't really know, particularly at this early stage. How many times do you see it? People can, and you kind of go down that path and then, you, you know, roll forward $3 million later in a year and it's wrong, right? 
you've got to be careful with that because as an MD, you've got to back pedal, you've got to tell shareholders, you've got to, you know, so you're in, you, you're placing trusting people. And I guess that's what Peter's always done is he's trusted us to do the job. And I suppose that's what I've, well, that's what I've got to do. I mean, you can't, you can, you, you, I've got a job to do. Everyone's got a job to do, you know, so you have to have that accountability but that trust as well. And I think as a group, we've got that. And that's kind of how we operate. So, Yeah. No, and it sounds like you've got uh, obviously a good team there. Um, you've obviously worked on nickel mines before. Um, what was Aston's nickel sort of focus or big draw card for you? And I suppose why, why is this nickel deposit probably different to some of the others that you've worked on before? Well, I suppose when you've worked in a commodity, you've always got a soft spot for it, right? You know, I've I've worked in, I mean, my big ones are gold, nickel, copper, I mean, uranium. and But um, I suppose when we looked at this nickel, it, you know, it's sulfide, so it's not laterite, it's not, it's not, you know, um, silicate, or it, it's, it's sulfide nickel, which is where we got our experience from. So you, you kind of look at that and you say, okay, I understand this is going to be flotation. It, you know, it's going to be, I can already picture what the mine's going to look like, you know, what, what the process plan's going to look like. And, and, and so that's a big tick in the box, right? And, and so does the whole group, you know, so we've all kind of cut our teeth in there. So that was a big, I guess, motivation why, you know, we liked Aston Minerals. I suppose if you're trying to look for similarities with previous operations, um, with Aston, you know, it's one of these large, you know, lower grade nickel sulfide ore bodies, but it's going to be a big, big mine. Well, we, you know, we we know big mines. We've, you know, we've we've operated them, and you know, guys have built them. So, so yeah, there's nothing here that we don't understand. I guess. The big difference for us on this project is if there was something a bit different, it's obviously in a cold climate. And I don't think any of us have got much. We've all done little bits in cold climates, but we haven't, you know, we, we're not Canadian. We, you know, we haven't worked all our lives in cold climates. So there's something that we're going to have to take guidance from and that's why we've appointed a Senko out of Canada, right? They'll guard us through that. And we've got Rob as well, you know, in Canada and Carl. So, you know, and, and we've all done, let's say, smaller time on cold climate projects, all of us. But, um, yeah, that's – but, yeah, there's nothing on this Aston project that's not going to be different from anything we've done before. And what is the sort of Canadian nickel market like in North America at the moment? What's the sort of current state of play? I think it's interesting because if you look, I mean, there's a almost like a a, a, a macro environment taking place. I, you know, uh, the the you know in Saudi Arabia, the the, the royal family there's taken a different approach to mining, and they're making direct investment in mining uh, projects. Uh, and I suppose it's almost like a, a strategic kind of equity 
approach to you know diversify from oil and gas you know I, I don't know but that's my take on it well they invested they took I think it was 10 or 15 percent of Barley's nickel business and a big part of their nickel business is obviously Sudbury um, which is just you know down the road from where we are if you look at the nickel space in Canada, I think the nickel space in Canada is going to be quite a significant contributor to the EV space in North America. And why why do I say that? I, my view, and this is Russell speaking, right? And good job we don't have a beer in our hand because we'll, we'll have even a, a different take on it. But I think, you know, the geopolitical landscape in the nickel game we all know that Indonesia are doing a great job. You know, they, their expansion plans are significant and they're doing a good job supplying nickel into a particular market. And they do what they do. And that's how that nickel space is going to play out there. And I think there'll be um, a criteria that nickel off-takers will need to uh, have depending where that final nickel product's going. With the Indonesian nickel, does that suit all everyone's criteria? I don't know. And some people say it does. A lot of people say it doesn't. And I'm talking now about the EV space and, and, and you know, that kind of. Then we know what's happening in Russia, and we don't need to talk about that, but there's a big contributor to the nickel environment. And then you look at the Canadian space, um, just last week, Ford announced that they are building a, a $1.2 billion uh, battery plant in Quebec. So you've got the Quebec and Ontario uh, governments supporting that, um, you know, and with SK involved and this kind of thing. So there's actually tangible action taking place where the Canadian government last year were vocal about their critical minerals policy, nickel being a critical mineral. They are now supporting these manufacturing downstream processes, factories, industries, you know, massive investments. And, you know, being in that nickel space, that's great for us, right? They'll need feed. And I think, you know, first of all, we're on their doorstep. It is Canadian. So if you look at where these different kind of sectors of nickel supply are starting to play out in the world. Um, being in Canada, if we can prove that we can make this into a mine and you've got kind of the A-team behind you, I think we'll be in a good space, right? I yeah. think we'll get good, good support, good government support for capital, a strategic support. And, you know, this is a mine if you look at the resource could be, you know, I mean, in my mind that, you know, the, the, the numbers I've done, this is a 30, 40,000 ton a year nickel mine for 40 years. That's a strategic critical asset. That's I think being in Canada, it, it, you know, is something that it, it will be a, a major contributor to that new world that we're going into, you know, electric vehicles, decarbonization all this kind of stuff so yeah so yeah that's kind of my thinking on it at the moment
And obviously, some that's uh, obviously done this before. What's the secret sauce for getting a nickel mine uh, into development and then obviously into production? Well, there's a few things. I mean, this is again my my take on life. I think you know, it's important you understand whose back garden you're working in. I think you have to be respectful where you're working, and you know, you know, in the places where we've worked around the world. It's always important to make sure that you have good, you know, relations with your, you know, First Nation groups, your Indigenous groups, um, you know, your, your, let's say your tribal groups or, you know, wherever you're working, you've got to understand when in Rome, you know, be respectful for that, continue that communication, that relationship um, and, you know, build the mine or do the development with the rules of engagement in that back garden, right? So that, to me, that's that's something that you need to understand. Uh, that can set you back a long time. In fact, you, you may never, ever build a mine if you get that wrong. I uh, think as well, uh, it's important to understand your ore body. You know, we talk about nickel, we talk about gold, we talk about whatever the, the commodity is, but it's the drilling that really gives you that information. So have good quality geological interpretation there's been a lot of times when guys have mined a deposit and it's not come out the way that you thought it would during the because the geological interpretation has been wrong you know the the, the structural geology has not been understood the the mineral you know kind of distribution's not been properly understood through the drilling so, you know, can you ever do enough drilling? I don't think you ever can. I think you could get the only way. <laughs> one thing I'd love to invent one day is those X-ray specs that I saw, you know, you can put them on and look through things. And one thing I'd love is to look through the ground and see where the ore bodies are. But we don't have that. So the only other thing we've got is the, is the drilling. So, you know, drilling is a big, big, big thing that you need to focus on. It gives you a lot of good information. And it only gives you good information if you've got good geologists to interpret it. And I think as well, you've got to spend time understanding the flow sheet and the variability that the flow sheet can handle. You know, all bodies are never consistent. They do give variability. So make sure your flow sheet gives a robust outcome, you know, uh, and it can handle, you know, these, these plus and minuses that it will see through the life of the mine. And I think as well, you've just got to make sure that, you know, you, you know, don't, don't be, you know, don't be shy to make, you know, the reality that, you know, there's inflation in the world and there's, there's, you know, the shortage of people and, and, you know, don't underestimate how long it's going to take and how much it's going to cost to develop a mine. You know, often you see studies and and and, and things and, and people say, oh, you know, this thing's going to get built in 10 months and it's going to cost, you know, $40 million and this and that, that. And you get found out, right? And, you know, always, you know, whatever it is, it is. That's what you've got to be truthful about. And I think the proper investors and the proper people who understand the value that's going to come out one day from developing that mine will appreciate that type of communication and language. Um, 
often you sit in presentations and you listen to people, uh, some people, and, you know, it, they, it, it's just not right what they're saying. So I think you have to be truthful. During project development, there's always bumps in the way. There's always bumps in the way. And, you know, if there isn't, then one's coming, without a doubt. So, so you know, I think it's you, between relationship with the back garden you're in, you've got to make that right. Just, just when you drill, make sure that information gets interpreted correctly. Your flow sheet and, you know, just be truthful in what you're finding and, and where you are. And then I think you'll go a long way to getting the thing right. Yeah. And lastly, what's the short and medium term outlook for Aston Minerals? Well, short term. So we're drilling at the moment, pipping uh, B2. Uh, we're actually doing a drilling review tonight and then uh, we'll be moving the rig down to Bardwell probably in about four weeks' time. Uh, the network, all the samples have been selected now. Uh, the network's going to kick off uh, probably in the next three weeks. Uh, I'll be doing a bit of marketing between now and Christmas. As I said in the announcement last week, as we get real results, as we see what we're seeing, we'll be continuing to get that news flow out. Um, so short term, yeah, that's really our focus over the next six months. Medium term, what we said to the market is we'll do all of this work. If you roll forward to April, May next year, we would have done the drilling. We would have had a flow sheet put together. We understand recovery. We would have dropped a pit, you know, in the first 10 years or whatever it is that we know we can start this mine. And then all of that information will roll up and then we'll go and do a scoping study. So I would say probably, you know, the end of next year, we'll have a scoping study out on this project. But all the work we're doing now will all feed into that scoping study. We'll have that scoping study out and then you'll see the economics. But I mean, this thing's going to be a big mine, long life, big output of nickel. Um, so, you know, I'm expecting that, you know, we, we should get a real understanding if it's a boy or a girl in about a year's time, to be honest with you. Russ, really appreciate your time. Thank you for giving us an update on Aston Minerals um, and obviously your your outlook of the company and obviously talking about the, the nickel uh, mining industry within within North America. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, if they want to follow your story, how can they go about doing that? And what social media platforms are you on? So uh, we're on Twitter, Aston Minerals. Uh, you can uh, drop me an email. That's russell at astonminerals.com. Uh, we are on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. So send me a message. And, you know, there's all the other uh, Instagram and that kind of thing. And they, <laughs> that's all the ones that I don't do. And I don't do any of them, so I have to. But, no, yeah, that's all right. send, it, send it to russell at astonminerals.com and, and, and I'll get it. So Yeah, we'll include all those in the show notes accompanying this anyway, so people can uh, have easy, easy access to that. Well, wish you all the best uh, for the remainder of the year. Uh, perhaps we can get you on next year. With, a, with an update. Um, we're also talking about potentially doing another podcast on another subject. 
associated with mining, but outside of mining as well. Um, but we work on that anyway. Um, but really appreciate your time and all the best for the year. Okay, that's great. Thanks, Rob. Thank you yeah, very much. No worries. Nice to meet you. And yourself. And thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Please share this episode with all uh, others in the industry uh, and also obviously people outside of the industry. Nickel is obviously an com important component of our whole battery transition um, and new green energy transition. So please share this episode amongst others uh, around the world, plus obviously people within the industry. Really appreciate your continued support. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.